Welcome to the Let's Talk Autism podcast. We're back after a short break because, Christelle, I'm so tired. Yes, life is a bit hectic right now, isn't it? It is. And I do send my apologies. It's all Christelle's fault. And basically, (laughs) no, we're on return to work. We're just trying to juggle things. We're just trying to make sure that every... We're ticking all the boxes, basically, Christelle, aren't we? Not burning the candle at every single end here. Yeah, we're, we're trying our best. I'm looking fresh, we? you know, Christelle. I'm looking fresh. I'm looking like, hey, there's a girl in, in charge of everything. <laughs> you do. You look like you've got it all together, Mish. You can do it. I can't even see my eyeballs in my head. But Christelle. Yes, you look you look fantastic. Don't be so hard on yourself. Okay? You look fantastic. <laughs> you're doing well. New opportunities. So you're just taking it in your stride. So you know. Do I look like a teacher again though, Chris? Like you always look like a teacher in my eyes. Did I? I don't know if that's an insult or compliment. But anyway, moving on. Moving on today, Christelle. Mish. What's going on today? The police. Is that the bill? I thought that was the bill. No, that's not. That's not casualty. Oh, no way. I'm I'm singing the same thing you are. Is that the bill? No, no, that sounds like casualty to me. I don't know. It's some sort of emergency. That's how long I haven't watched the bill. I used to watch the bill all the time. But do you watch Line of Duty now then? Oh, of course I do. But oh my God, the finale was such a disappointment. It's like they run out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm going to be right. I am right. Okay. For some reason... For some reason, I remember that bit that didn't, didn't, didn't. But then when he went to, I thought, oh, is that casualty? So, yeah, anyway, why me and Christelle are rambling on about the line of Juby and the bill is we've got Detective Inspector back with us. Detective Inspector Lindsay is back with us and she's going to be telling us about the National Autistic Association within the police. We're going to be concentrating more this episode on what happens if a member of the autistic community is arrested or is a witness to a crime or a victim to a crime and how the police take into account that that person is autistic. I'm really looking forward to this one because when we had Lindsay on for, um, oh, sorry, Superintendent Lindsay on for the marathon. Detective Inspector it, it was just too short because there was so much information, so much more that we wanted to know. So yeah. we're so glad that she's back and ready to talk. Roll titles. Welcoming back onto the Let's Talk Autism podcast. We're super, super excited and we're on our best behaviour because we have got Detective Inspector Lindsay back with us. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. Hi, you okay? Very, very excited because me and Christelle, last time you was on, it was the podcast marathon, wasn't it? And it was seven minutes. And I just remember looking at the clock to you, Chris. <laughs> we were like... It was, it was too much so- of a tease. It was too much of a tease. We needed more. so we're so glad to have you back oh no I'm glad to be back seven minutes for me felt like a very long time Um, (laughs) I don't like the sound of my own voice funnily enough (laughs) 
nice. <laughs> Tell us a little bit. Last time you came on um, and you told us we were talking about autism awareness. It was autism awareness. We, you are a detective inspector. We were talking about the police and the police force and autism. So take us back to what you was telling us before and how this sort of all become your journey within the police and with regards to autism? So I have got 16 years in the police. I work for Merseyside Police. That's my um, force that I work for. I'm a detective inspector currently. So um, it just means that I joined the CID and I became a detective through the ranks, which is, I suppose, relevant when I go into it later. Um, I have two children now and one of my children is 15 and he has an autism diagnosis. He received that when he was, I think, around seven. So up till that point, I knew nothing about autism or related conditions. So I think it's possible it's my journey. So I'm going to say it, I guess. But my journey was that he had no associated mental health conditions. So it was, here is your diagnosis over to you. I very much felt lost at that point. I knew before he got the diagnosis that he was going to get it because I think I'd already decided and guessed that myself based on his behaviours. So how I coped with it was I had to start to research as much as I could and soak it all up as a sponge. And it really piqued my interest in all things related to autism because I needed to know from my family. I also needed to know because actually I'm really passionate about the job that I do. I'm really, really aware that there are so many people within our communities that have a condition of that nature. So therefore, I was really sure that I would be dealing with people on a daily basis, whether that be my colleagues or my victims of crime, uh, suspects, whatever. So I was just really, really aware that it was all around me. So I wanted to start understanding how, what did that mean? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to Merseyside, etc.? And through that, um, I, I found the National Police Autism Association. So it was established around 2016-2017 by a police officer called John Nelson. He is autistic himself and it originally was established to um, support autistic police officers. It was like a support network, really. And the attendance or involvement from the police forces in that National Police Autism Association is completely voluntary. So while there's a huge amounts of representation currently about plus 90% of forces across the UK are involved in it, um, your individual police force doesn't have to actually allow you to be involved in it. My police force, them, but they're really, really good and they're really supportive around all things to do with well-being and um, how we support our staff and our community. They've allowed me time to um, be involved. I do a huge amount of it in my own time as well. And through that, um, I am linked into all the coordinators across the UK. We can really share knowledge learning experiences and things like that and as I say a lot of the reps are actually autistic police officers or staff themselves and um, so that really is how I kind of started my journey as it was yeah oh fantastic Lindsay so in regards you mentioned there if I mean last time we spoke quite a lot about the sort of within the police and autistic police officers I know a lot of people sort of have asked this and this was something that was on I know we had a little chat about the line of duty before and <laughs> I don't watch it but Chris Dale does we saw on line of duty somebody who was vulnerable and actually being used so people were using his flat to commit crimes and he was basically the cover so that if anything went wrong, they would set him up to take the blame. 
So this got us thinking as to what kind of help is offered to anyone who might be who might have special needs if they were to get arrested number one a lot of uh, disabilities are invisible but how would that transpire in terms of you can't tell you by looking at someone they've got a disability you're now arresting them how do we come to the point where you find all these kind of details out so it's a great question clearly one of the things we talk about all the time is invisible disabilities that's the whole point obviously when police officers are going into potentially a hostile situation or a heated situation they have to make an assessment of what's happening in front of them etc but one of the things that i do and that other loads of other people in my organization do is provide training in relation to um, different conditions so i do training for the local police and community officers who may might actually assist them in identifying some autism uh, traits and things like that so they might actually stop and think is this person demonstrating some behaviors or something that might suggest to me that they need additional support I also do inputs around um, our custody environment when somebody's actually formally arrested and brought in and they do have risk assessments already in place so it's a it's a question set that they will ask anybody when they're brought into custody and it's all around their health and their well-being and that can include mental health conditions physical disabilities things like that so there are opportunities for someone to divulge that they have a condition of that nature we also have obviously the police systems that already exist in relation to a person if they've got a record and we know from previous incidents that they have a condition like autism adhd whatever epilepsy whatever the condition may be that's something that we are aware of but it's very much something that we uh, enable that person through our questions there but also um, by being open with how we're dealing with them in them coming forward and identifying i have this condition so if they do, they're then a, they can be afforded different things. So if they go in and they've got a medical condition, we have um, force nurse practitioners, we have medical examiners, so doctors basically that can support them. Also, if they divulge, they may have an additional support need. They can still be seen by those medical practitioners, and um, just to make an assessment of their. Um, capability suitability to have a formal police interview because as we know it's obviously autism is a spectrum so the capacity and capability is wide ranging with people in that environment however regardless of who you are or if you have a condition a custody situation is incredibly stressful so it's mm. outside the norm for everybody but that can be incredibly triggering for people so one of the things that is afforded to autistic people I suppose I'll talk about in particular is an appropriate adult that's the language that is used but in in a nutshell that person is there to support the individual it's they're not to communicate for them but they're there to ensure that they're they understand things that that we as police officers or staff are communicating to them in a way that they can understand so my advice when I do custody inputs is the best person to be an appropriate adult for somebody is somebody that knows them the best so my son, I know my son the best. I understand when he's not understanding, if that makes sense. So it could be that actually it's your partner, it's your, your, your wife, your husband, whatever. It could be the best person to be an appropriate adult for you. Or it could be somebody from the local authority. It could be your social worker, anything like that, that has an understanding of you and your abilities. Obviously, everybody is enti entitled to legal representation as well in custody. And through that interview process, they can identify their additional needs or reasons for why they've become involved in things. 
Also, we have vulnerable person referral mechanisms where we can refer into our supportive agencies like the local authority that suggests it. And this is outside of someone being arrested. I'm actually concerned about this person. Is this if there's like some sort of gang sort of if uh, somebody who was vulnerable was kind of being taken into, you know, they're going towards gang sort of situations and drug running that sort of thing yeah so my day job um is actually criminal exploitation um it's of children primarily because that's my my small portfolio within my geographic area so we do an awful lot of interventions and work around these children and it's very much that holistic approach with education the local authority that real collaborative work to try and assist a person to divert them from that criminality to remove them from the situation to afford them opportunities for interventions activities whatever it can take however there you can still receive support even as an adult you can report on behalf of a friend or family member because what you've got you've got to realize is actually any any type of vulnerability can happen you could be elderly and and these gangs can come into your home and then use your home as a base to do whatever it is you need to do so there's very much there's um crime stoppers for anonymous uh, reporting of intelligence there are online reporting hubs to the police to report crimes or welfare concerns about people but equally they don't have to just go to the police they can go to the local authority as well and just say i've got some real concerns about myself or i've got some concerns about somebody else really lindsay um there's something i've heard of i don't know if it's the right name is I think it's called a police card that disabled people can carry with them can you tell us a little bit more about that please in Merseyside and Cheshire we call it an autism alert card lots of different forces have them so I'm going to sound like I'm advertising but the National Police Autism Association website has actually you can sign up to it you get different levels of access depending on whether or not you're in and outside of the police but they do have a list of all the different police forces that are actually engaged in that and are bought into that because Merseyside and Cheshire uh, do it in company with the fire service and with a charity called CHAPS. So in a nutshell, what it is, is you can apply, apply online, you can record your details. That means that the police force has a record of you, what your, what your details are, if you have any additional um, concerns, needs, whatever it might say, you could be averse to touching or whatever information it is that you want to share so it's a little card and it can go in your wallet or in your purse I know I'm not really familiar with the up-to-date version but I believe there was going to be like a key ring version as well so that was a bit easier and it's mainly so that you can communicate with a police officer without having to communicate if that makes sense now All I would say in relation to that is they're really helpful. There are other things that you can have, such as the sunflower lanyard, which is more visually obvious, but I appreciate that that can be used for anything in relation to kind of just saying, look, I I have a concern. It might well be the lanyard means you can't hear or things like that. All I would say is if you do sign up to an autism alert card, it's just to teach the person that it's not, for want of a better phrase, a get out of jail card, because there have been situations where maybe they're having a meltdown and they reach to their pocket because they want the card. So they just have to be really, really aware of what that behaviour might be saying. So to not just think, I'm going to stick my hand in my pocket 
I'm going to get the card out and things like that. But it can be a really useful tool for people. It can be really helpful for people as well if they're nonverbal. I personally think things like the lanyards, if you're nonverbal, are probably better because you don't really want to be poking in people's pockets and things like that but they are very useful and we actually did have a police volunteer that was working with us a couple of years ago he's moved on now and he used the autism alert card quite well in situations when he was feeling overwhelmed he was able to use it particularly for him it was on the transport networks and for to be fair for him it probably just made him feel a little bit safe that if he was feeling like his communication was um, a problem for him at that time that he could communicate in a different way. I was just going to say with the police I mean not everybody grows up sort of sort of I say trusting the police and sometimes especially in the media there's been loads and loads of sort of you know negativity against the police force and vice versa against autistic people like you know we've had it me and Chris still have it all the time oh you've just called naughty in our days and things like that so how as a police force do you work towards sort of eradicating that and sort of and so helping people to understand one from the aspect of autism awareness of hey like this is not they're not just a naughty person or they're not using this as a as a get out of jail card but also for those people that are sort of growing up and those autistic members of the the autistic community that perhaps maybe are listening because I know my son is quite influenced by his friends and you know if he's getting sort of negative speech about the police so how how do you step in and kind of help with those sort of attitudes yeah so it's really really important for the success of any police force that we represent our community and and it sounds really cheesy by the way and it sounds like a promotion interview answer however it's genuinely true because we need diversity in the police we need diversity of thought in the police as well because if we were all the same then actually we're not going to learn and we're to carry on as we are so um local policing departments they call them kind of diff community whatever different things across different forces we have community engagement units that are really going out in harder to reach communities because actually the autism community could for in some areas be a harder to reach community so and doing a lot of intervention work going into schools really early and whether they're specialist education provisions or not and having those positive building those positive relationships with the younger generation to really break down barriers and to create understanding of police officers and make them more familiar I suppose as well and not something to be frightened of for the police transparency is absolutely huge I can't say it any stronger than that we will get the trial of um social media that's going to happen um unfortunately or fortunately whichever way you look at it people are entitled to a voice nowadays they can comment on things in quite an aggressive way at times they might not always know the full facts to a certain extent um you know we have to just we can't say the whole story about things but the police forces in general are moving towards being more open, being more honest. And some of the ways that they do that is when the police do get it wrong, because sometimes police officers do the wrong thing. We can't get away from that, is they themselves will face charges if it's an offence. But also uh, the police forces like mine will um, publish 
the results and the findings of that. So we're not trying to hide what we're doing. We're being really open about sometimes we get it wrong. We also advertise our successes as well. But I think it's about being really open and honest about when we do get things wrong, we want to learn. We do an awful lot of assessments at the end of things as well. So it's that real review process. So we had an event to manage. Okay, at the end of it, let's debrief. What did we do right? What did we not actually think about? and things like that we've got a lot of community members that can give us advice and guidance in relation to it so it's very much that we have those um, interactions and that open conversation with our community so that they do feel trust in us that they can raise things and say why did this happen why did that happen and that can be even in by challenging us if we do silly things like parking in places we shouldn't or you know if we're uh, as a police force people example, love that on social media the police have parked right outside McDonald's oh what are they doing kind of McDonald's and it's you're not allowed to lunch break sometimes you have to double park because of the situation but it's about holding your hands up admitting when something's gone wrong and you know just and not only that but it's telling them right actually this is what's happened they've had words of advice or we've given them a bit of education or this that and the other you can't get away from the fact that we we have to wear masks as well obviously when mm. we're going out and about but police are going to deal with spontaneous incidents and actually sometimes it's more appropriate for them to jump out of the car very quickly to run and deal with the situation than it is to stop and put that mask on so we do lots of things now to make ourselves more open and honest there's body worn camera footage which makes um everything that's said and done quite transparent and things like that so it's just about educating people and acknowledging when we do things wrong and making sure that we listen to their advice their guidance their feedback and then with regards to children it's breaking down those barriers in those different communities and then the last kind of point I've got is we really really advertise the different types of people that we've got in and one of the examples that I've got is we've got a firearms officer really interesting this is dead exciting because he carries a gun he's a real nice guy and you know let's be honest children always like firearms people because you know it's interesting it's like being on tv he did um, mm-hmm. a talk on how he's got dyslexia so actually there'll be a child going oh I have that oh I could actually I could grow up I could be in the police and I could have a gun um, so nationally we're getting a lot of positive stories like um, in my force we call it walk in my shoes and it's stories about your journey um, but the Metropolitan Police did a story and it was one of their commanders. So a commander's a really high rank. Um, and he's talking about the benefits of him being autistic and how it's helped him be a police officer. There was a naval commander and he said, arguably, he was much better at his job because he had autism. And then for mm. me, recently, we did um, one of my people that I work with. He did a journey, a story on his autism. He mm. received a diagnosis of autism as an adult. But not only did he write that story that got shared in the newsletter with everyone, but he then did a webinar so people could dial in and ask him questions. And so many people engaged with it. It was really, really positive. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. So, so much information. Mm -hmm. So informative and really love having you on. So (laughs) next time you come on for an hour. (laughs) I just build you up. (laughs) I was going to say she will probably be back because i'm sure that a lot of people have um you know a lot to say and a lot of questions for you Lindsay. there's no escaping us Lindsay. <laughs> Never, thank you so much Lindsay.
Lindsay, Detective Inspector Lindsay. Wow, Christelle, mind-blowing. <laughs> it was very informative. And I'm, I think people are going to be really interested in this one because I don't feel like, like I said, you know, when we're talking to Lindsay, that people know about these services in the police. No. Because I didn't. I didn't. Until you, I think it was you that told me about the, the police call. Now, I know we did say that we we're going to have a member of the autistic community on each week, Christelle. But so I just want to say that we are doing that. That is something we're going to do. But when we have professionals on, sometimes it doesn't always, it's not. I think this week I put it out there to quite a few people if they would like to come on. But I think because it, I suppose it's quite a sort of, um, it's a heavy topic, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, it might be quite a personal thing to share and people not yeah not have want you been arrested have you committed a crime <laughs> <laughs> i'd be like get out of my business <laughs> Chris, have you ever been arrested but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that wasn't wasn't like the opening uh yeah the greatest opening discussion hey guys anybody ever been arrested and want to come and speak on the let's talk autism well, does anybody want to talk about if they do get arrested <laughs> yeah. they want to know their rights <laughs> yeah it's a tricky one so but yeah we thank you for everybody that has got in touch with us recently and stayed with us and supported us and we are going to be back weekly i know we've had a couple of weeks where we've sort of missed it because you know what's coming up christelle you know what's happening next week happy birthday to let's talk autism podcast Happy birthday to Let's Talk Autism podcast. <laughs> Happy birthday. I can't believe that. Crazy. That is That means this time last year, I was just sending, just about sending you a drunken voice note. Yeah, we were like, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's start a podcast. And here we are. I've got to check the exact date. I think it was May 22nd. So next week, I think we should have some fun. We need lots and lots of great people to come and join us. We should, we should have a Zoom party. Oh, this is the point where, Chris, you're supposed to calm me down because I was like, going, we should do this. We should do that. And I'll plan all these ridiculous I things. Tired. I think you'll be too tired to have a Zoom party. <laughs> oh, see, I'm, I'm so excited now. But yes, exciting times. Next week is our Let's Talk Autism podcast birthday um, oh we do have a giveaway actually then we're putting that on our instagram so yes come join us but until next week christelle i'm going to go and get some much needed sleep old bean okay then darling you have a good sleep i will do and we shall see you next week you can find me at the cockney blog girl you can find christelle at chrissy baby 10 and you can find us on instagram at the let's talk autism podcast is that it <laughs> Can I play the little theme tune again? Bye-bye. Good night. (laughs) See you later. Over and out. Over and out. Oscar Robo Alpha.